Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Jedi Master Peyton Jones. Mm, Jedi. Ooh, I like that. You know, I saw that um, Star Wars Rebels the other day. It was on ABC, the uh, cartoon. Yeah, for, animated. for Luke, of course. Yeah, for Luke. For Luke, and he finally started getting into Star Wars. I've been a little bit concerned because he's been more into like Care Bears and stuff like that. So, oh, not really Care That's, Bears, but oh, okay, yeah, he's been really into cars. Loves cars, loves loves Toy Story, and um, I'm kind of sick of those. I think I've mm. probably seen each of those three hundred to four hundred times each. And you can only watch Toy Story about maybe four times. Yeah, and I've seen all three of them um, many, many times. So I have not seen part three yet of Toy Story. You know what's bad, though, is when I start like, oh, cool, the next Planes is coming out. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. It's a little bit much. That's all I'm saying. It's a little bit much. I hear you. So, you know, today's Halloween. So, Pete, happy Halloween or Thank Samhain you. or Black Easter or, um, you know, the Dark Sabbath, however it's celebrated in the Mitchell house. Well, you know, I, by the time people hear this, though, Halloween's going to be over. I know, but still, I, I mean, you we are usually, dressed. We, we usually bust out the Ouija board and start doing some Wicca on Halloween. I mean, that's just kind of what we do. But I mean, I, I saw you wearing your uh, Olaf costume, which I have to say Looks good on you with the uh, twig sticking out of the top of your head. That is a nice touch, my friend. <laughs> Dude, my son has uh, – um, what's the guy from Toy Story? The uh, um, Space Ranger. What's his name? Buzz Lightyear. He's got the Buzz Lightyear outfit. And my grandmother – or I'm sorry, his grandmother wanted to uh, put it on him, let him try it out the other day, and he would not take it off. He's running oh, around the house for hours just – Looking like Buzz Lightyear. I think for his birthday, I got him a lightsaber that uh, you whip, you know, you just kind of flick your wrist and whoosh, it extends. And uh, I think, how, how much furniture has he broken with that? He, um, since we've been watching Star Wars Rebels, he has literally almost hit me in the eye at least a dozen times with that lightsaber. Mission accomplished. That's why I bought it. Because he's flicking that thing out and he's like sitting right next to me and like flicking it. And I, I'm so many times I'm like, I cannot believe that did not just hit my eyeball. That's how it's because he came. knows you're a Sith Lord. He knows this about you. Well, I'm trying to train him to be a Sith. <laughs> Luke, <laughs> you don't know the power. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, good. The sound effects are back. Well, only every once in a while. Here's, that was me. 
hate to just <laughs> that you. was me i love you have to tell everyone here's a sound effect for you i'll, I'll play this one the church planner podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve but the podcast they need nice yeah baby the dark knight if i you know if i weren't really batman the rest of the year i'd probably dress up as batman tonight i'm kind of surprised what, what are you dressing up as I'm not. I, you know, I was going to wear a Teenage Mutant Ninja Teeter, Turtle t-shirt. And I told my wife, hey, save the 20 bucks because my, my girls are going. Save the 20 my, bucks on the t-shirt? Yeah, save the 20 bucks. I won't wear it any other time. So I'm just going to I got to support the troop that. shirt and it's uh, Stormtroopers on it. Oh, nice, man. Nice. So, like, Liberty's going as um, Elsa. And it's so funny, dude, because, like. My daughter is half black and half white, so she's mixed race. And she last year she was Rapunzel, and she had this bright blonde wig. And um, so my wife this morning tells me, now remember, we got to spend time getting her ready for uh, trick or treating because um, you know I gotta I gotta like spray her hair white. And I'm like, wait a second, we got the Rapunzel wig. Like, why do you gotta spray it white? And she's like, well she doesn't want to wear the Rapunzel wig. And I'm telling you, that wig was classic, man. It was awesome. But no, she's got to spray paint my daughter's hair white tonight. How do you spray paint hair? I don't even want to know, man. I just figure I'll go get as pizza. Curly right as curly as your daughter's hair is, that's going to be a nightmare to clean. I'm telling you. I that, Why do you think I was like, let's just get the wig. The Rapunzel wig will do. Hmm. Before that, it was Princess Tiana, like the year before that, and we didn't have to do anything. Well, what I will say is that after today's podcast, we're going to have a another little probably five, ten minute podcast uh, because the Church Pounder Library ends tonight. And we're supposed to announce the winners on Monday, which is when the podcast is released. So we're going to come back on Sunday and record a little Here's who won. Here's who got the $500 in books. Absolutely. <laughs> See Absolutely. if they can collect it. I can tell you right now who's going to win. It's it's called Peyton Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so we always was... knew that. <laughs> we just so, wanted to get everybody to sign up. That's all. Just sign up. And publishers, thank you for sending the books. We appreciate it very much. So no, I mean, the, the, the thing is, is because I run the magazine, I get books all the time for free. Like, I don't pay for books anymore. I just, hey, we want to review this book. Boom, it's in the mail. Love it. Check, please. Hey, so uh, let, you know you know what's been going on with me recently? Billy Stinkin' Idol, man. First off, he's got an album coming out, right? Does he? But uh, Yeah, he does. But I only found that out because I have this article I'm doing for Leadership Journal, and it's due today. And this thing has been kicking the crud out of me. The whole theme of the article is prepping leaders for the future. And so what I argue in the article is that we're, uh, we're not prepping them for the future that's going to be. We're prepping them for the future that we think is going to be. And they're two different things. And so um, it has been a hard article to write. But anyways, whenever, whenever I'm in a funk, I know this sounds weird, but today I reached out for Billy Idol, you know, kind of like Popeye reaches for the spinach. And I'm telling you, man, there's something weird. When I write books, a little bit of Billy Idol and I... I was never like a big Billy Idol fan. It's not like, you know, oh, I'm tapping into some like deep fandom. I was never really into Billy. Um, he was cool. You know, he was Billy Idol, you know, but he's uh, he's been there as like this like steady companion. Like he always comes through for me. I pop a little bit of Billy Idol greatest hits on there. And uh, dude, I can write like a bad boy. So I'm going to have to eventually dedicate a book to him. And so Neil Cole <laughs> pops in on my Facebook right, with this, like, I'm like, Hey, it's kind of freaking me out. You know, like I get these superpowers in writing when I pop Billy and Neil Cole's like, uh, what album is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I told him, I said, Hey man, you know, it's greatest hits, pop it in there. And I told him, make sure you're at a standing desk. So your legs can be shaking out the boogie while you your hands are typing. That's important. Hey, all I'm saying is I'm all about George Thorogood Good and the Destroyers. That's all I'm saying. But, hey, wait a second. Now, do, that's do you even not, know who you, that is? I have no idea. Bad to the bone, baby. Bad to the bone. Oh no, no, I could see you listening to that. That that will now add itself to the repertoire of <laughs> I've got the power, which Mike Neal's 
Mike Niels has redeemed you. He says that that's actually the Holy Spirit, that you are singing spiritual uh, songs without even realizing that you're craving the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I was talking with Jamie about this, and I said, you know, if I ever had a church of my own, there would be a no guitar rule. That would be my rule. You cannot yeah. have a guitar in church at my church. Because yeah. there would what... be plenty of running man on stage, right? Oh, and the cabbage patch. <laughs> Maybe the robot, we'd throw the robot in there. No doubt we'd throw that in. Absolutely. Interpretive dance. <laughs> Davidic dancing, except it is, uh, it is pedic dancing. Hey, I, I know that this is our, our off-topic time, so I'm going to share this because um, Mike Neal's friends, they apparently only like to listen to the first 20 minutes of our podcast. <laughs> and then they don't want to listen to any of the rest of it. But... Um, I will say this. I just finished a book last night, which I'm really proud of myself for, you know, finishing a book. Way to go, man. But it was an audio book. And uh, by the way, if you want to put a little wind in our pirate sails, you can get a a free trial at uh, audibletrial.com forward slash CPM. And uh, I think you get like 30 days free. And so um, Ruben needs to get this book. It's called Unbreakable. And there is a movie coming out this Christmas called Unbreakable. And it's uh, it, the, the audiobook is literally 20 hours long. So I don't know how in the world they're going to make a movie into, you know, two and a half hours. It's got to be a long movie when the book itself takes 20 hours to read. I mean, I don't know, man, but it, it was so good. Do you know about this guy's story? I do. All I knew about is I, you know, I heard that he's been speaking at a few churches. I mean, he just died um, this last summer at like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I found it out because I, yeah, I found that out because I'm like, hey, Pete, we should interview him. And you're like, <laughs> no, uh, he's dead. He just died. Yeah. <laughs> he would have done the and interview. Then I, and then I said, well, we'll have to wait then. <laughs> you did say that. You did say that. Yeah. But I, you know, I heard that he was speaking at churches, but you know how churches are, right? You never know if it's like, a real church or if it's like, Oh sure. You know, we're going to talk about living the best life you can live. And, you know, we're going to bring in this guy and have him talk about his story. So I didn't know, you know what the deal was, right. Didn't know if he's Christian or whatever. And, um, so I'm reading the the book and he doesn't, I mean, he's not Christian, uh, before he goes to, to war. I mean, he was a, a runner. He lived in Torrance, California, went to the Olympics, um, then went into, uh, um, you know, uh, the military cause he was going off to war like everyone else was world war two at the time. And, um, long and the short of it is he crash, he, his plane crashes. They're stranded on a life raft for like, I don't know what it was. It was like over 40 days and only three of them survived the crash. And only two of them survived on the life raft. One of them, uh, ended up dying like, you know, after they'd been there for like 30, 30, 40 days, something like that. And um, he has this moment on the life raft where he says, you know, God, if you get me out of this, I will uh, live the rest of my life for you. Every day I'll serve you. And he's not even a Christian. So, like, he doesn't know how to pray. He doesn't, I mean, he even, he, he says this, you know, we're stuck on this raft and, you know, how do we pray? I don't know how to pray. So then they finally get uh, picked up by the Japanese. And, I mean, it, 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 to me, you know, growing up in the era that I've grown up in, I guess I didn't really realize just how bad the Japanese were back in the day, you know, because today they make pretty good cell phones. So, you know, that's my that's my impression of Japanese. But racist. <laughs> but but back in the day, man, World War Two, these guys were just evil, literally evil. And what they did to POWs. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Geneva Convention didn't mean anything to them. They didn't care. Meant squat. Meant squat. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they would even say, this isn't Geneva. This is Japan. What do we care what that convention says? And um, so, I mean, he basically spent the next, I don't know what it was. I think it was like 24 months, literally every day getting beat. I mean, just every day getting beat. And I think when he finally got, um, when the war ended, because that's when they were all released, um, luckily, because there was a, an order that if Japan surrendered or if it looked like their area is going to be overrun, they were supposed to kill all the POWs. And they had done that at many camps. And um, 
you know, beheadings, burning them alive, uh, burying them alive. I mean, just they did not respect human life. So, um, Louis Zamperini, that's the, the guy who's, who's, you know, the, the story is about him. This is the thing that really impressed me the most because I don't, I don't know. You know, I heard that he's speaking at some churches. Obviously he's not saved in the book. I mean, they, they make that pretty clear. Um, so he goes to this one, uh, like waiting, uh, camp before he goes to the POW camp where he spends the most of his time. And I mean, he's just constantly beaten. I mean, just constantly beaten. They beat him through the cage. They hit him with sticks, um, constantly, you know, breaking his, his nose, uh, uh, beaten beyond recognition. And finally this one guard comes stomping in and every guard that comes in has to assert their authority. So every time a new guard comes on duty, they beat the prisoners. Uh, right. That's just what they do. You know, Hey, we're, we're the top dog. We beat you. So it's not like there's ever a break for these POWs. And so, you know, they heard the stomping in of this guard coming in and they're like, Oh no, you know, another one. Great. Well, that guy comes in and, and, Basically, he goes in really bad English. He goes, you Christian? <laughs> and Lewis is like, well, I went to mass once as a kid, so sure. <laughs> I'm Christian. Wow. And he goes, I'm Christian too. And like gives him candy, him and um, his wow. other buddy, Phil. And something he was basically just said, something along the lines of uh, he had um, been saved by some Canadian missionaries, him and his family. Wow. And, I, you know, I'm reading this and I'm just like so grateful that there was one representative in this guy's life who was, you know, a real Christian. I mean, actually, one of the the other guys on the plane with them, um, his dad was a pastor and stuff like that. But to have one of the enemy be a Christian was, mm-hmm. to me, it was so encouraging. So anyway, you go through the whole thing. I mean, and, and I can't wait to see the movie because even though they can't possibly do it justice... Because the stories are just horrific. I mean, horrific. Um, right. You know, at the end of the thing, he survives. Um, a lot of them that were in his camp uh, end up luckily surviving, even though it was like the worst uh, internment camp. And they had the worst uh, guard. I mean, he ended up being on the list of uh, war criminals that they were after for years. And... um in fact, the only reason why that guy was spared is because the tide of uh, the world politics changed and um, America had to waive all the war criminals who hadn't been caught and basically commute all the sentences of everyone who had been caught because the Cold War was starting up and they needed Japan as an ally now. Wow. So that's the reason why this guy ends up in the end getting off scot-free, um, you know, and, and dying of a, a, you know, an old age, basically. Um, so when, when Louis Samparini comes back him, like, and and they go into all the stats in the book of, um, POWs and how many of them commit suicide. And it was like 25% of them end up becoming alcoholics. And I mean, and it makes, and they were just comparing that to other soldiers who had come back. So it wasn't like compared to everyone, but it was like 25% higher. Um, if you were a POW and, um, They died sooner. I mean, because of the rough treatment that they had. I mean, it was just unbelievable how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, you know, and here it's a 40 chapter book and it's not until literally chapter 38 that the dude gets saved. But the thing that's so cool in the book is he gets saved. Um, Him and his wife are, they're going to get a divorce. She says, I want a divorce. And she gets invited to go to a Billy Graham crusade. And she gets saved. And so she comes back and she goes, I'm not going to divorce you, but I want you to go to this Billy Graham crusade with me. And he's like, I'm not doing that. I mean, he hated religion at this point. You know, everything he'd been through, he was just, you know, hated all of it was, it was just churning in, inside of him. And so, you know, as a favor to her, he finally ends up going, but he's like, you know, when they say, uh, at the end, you know, time to bow your head, we're leaving. You know, as soon as they says that right. we're leaving. So <laughs> Billy Graham's up there doing his talk and he goes, all right, everyone. And, and, and it's changing Louis Zamperini and it's freaking him out because he's realizes and he remembers back on the boat saying, God, you save me and I'll dedicate the rest of my life to serving you. He remembers that and he realizes he has not lived a good life. 
even though he went through everything he went through before he didn't live a good life after he didn't live a good life, even though he was a fun loving guy and everyone loved him, he still knew what he was doing was wrong, right? Knew his own sin. He was totally convicted of his own sin. So, um, Billy Graham goes, okay, everyone, you know, close your eyes. And by the way, I mean, they, they go into like John eight and read it verbatim for most of it. So, I mean, I was, I was like so encouraged by that. And, um, he, he gets up, he like grabs his wife, gets up as soon as Billy Graham says, close your eyes and pray. And then Billy Graham goes, no one can leave now. You can leave when I'm preaching, but not now that we're praying. <laughs> and so he has to sit back down and he ends up giving his life to God in that moment. I and mean, it was so cool. That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, and honestly, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there cause I'm listening to the audio book and I'm just thinking to myself, how many guys do we have now coming back from our current wars? Um, yeah. Who I mean, we haven't had the POW experiences. Uh, we've only had one guy um, who obviously just recently got released, uh, you know, from this latest uh, Iraq conflict, Iraq or Afghanistan. I don't remember where he was taken. I don't know if you remember, but um, but I mean, how many of these guys are coming back? I mean, they're jacked up and they're messed up yeah. from what they've seen, from what they've done, from where they've been. And, um, all I can think of is, you know, who are our church planners to, to that market? I, I don't know who they are to that market. If that even, I mean, that sounds kind of weird, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the church right now that I'm partnering with, um, in North County, San Diego, um, is part of a network of church plants called pillar churches, which are, um, they specifically minister their church plants, um, to mil- military bases. And the reason that's important is mm. if, if you've ever been to a military-based church, um, it's a little bit watered down. It's, it's what they call chapel, you know, and a uh, military chapel has to be almost kind of like an all things, all men. And so it, it often, you know, church on base is not uh, the place you go really. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this and, you know, if you're if you're a chaplain and you're doing church on base, I, I'm not trying to be PC. Maybe yours rocks, but I come from a military family, and I know this um, from my family members that are like, yeah, it's just not really. So a lot of people go off base to go to church, and so but then they're going to a church that doesn't understand the struggles and the pressures and the ins and outs of the military life, and so. Uh, this new, um, I, I can't remember how many there are, I think right now nationwide last time, about a year ago, um, there was something like seven of them. And so we've got one right here at Camp Pendleton. Um, and you know, it's, uh, they're growing all the time. So I'm sure there's, there's more than that now, but they're called pillar P I L L A R. One of my buddies, uh, was in the Navy. He was a, a seal for a number of years and he got out or I should say off active duty right before we went to war. So I don't believe as a SEAL he was ever in uh, active duty um, in this latest uh, wars that we've had. But um, he used to say, and he was a Christian, and going into the military made him uh, a stronger Christian, a much stronger Christian, especially being in the SEAL teams where it's very uncool to be a Christian. And he met this one chaplain who um, he said was a real Christian chaplain. Because they can have chaplains from different faiths, you know, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, um, Catholic, whatever. I mean, it, it can be anything. You just have to fit these certain criteria and, and you can uh, get into the, to the military as a chaplain. I mean, it's not easy. Don't, don't get me wrong. But one of the things that they have to do as a chaplain is they're supposed to be, a, you know, a sounding board, if you will, for all faiths. And so they've got this bag with all the different, um, you know, Book of Mormon, uh, the Quran, uh, the Bible. And so he was talking to this one chaplain and he's like, uh, you know, what if I want to see the uh, Book of Mormon? You got that in your bag? And he goes, I have that in my bag, but it doesn't come out. (laughs) He goes, what if I want the Quran? He goes, it doesn't come out. He goes, what if I want it? It doesn't come out. It's so awesome. <laughs> That's just how that, I mean, who knows what could happen to that chaplain if like someone actually did go, hey, he's not going to give me my Book of Mormon. I mean, but this guy was like willing to to take it. He didn't care. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm not giving you that crap. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, should we, uh, should we finish uh, screwing around here and actually get into our topic well you know that might be a a, a good idea here um let me let me play our, our quick little sound bite <laughs> <laughs> 
welcome you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... MoGive. <laughs> Emoji Abby. Hey, um, Peyton, let me ask you, have you ever been waiting to get your church started with online giving? Never. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Every day. Stop it! A better solution is here! MoGive, spelled M-O-G-I-V, is an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. Peyton, I think you need to go to mogive.com forward slash church to learn more. Okay, Pete, but are you sure there's no E on the end of that? No, because I bought that domain. (laughs) (laughs) It's MoGive, M-O-G-I-V, the give that gives you Mo. Oh, that should be the new tagline. The give that gives you Mo. I like it. All righty. So, uh, great Scott. Pete, can I ask you the whole time you were telling that story about Unbroken? Say that again. You you know, that whole time you're telling the story about Unbroken, were you not paying attention? No, but, uh, were you just tying it in? Cause like the guy gave him candy and it's Halloween. (laughs) That's so bad. I was just wondering. I, I when you mentioned candy, I'm like, "There's the tie-in," and then you left it, and so I was just wondering. No, I didn't even make that connection. But thanks for doing that for us. You're welcome. Always here to serve. All right. So, so um, here's our here's our our lead-in for the topic. Great Scott! It's time for this week's topic. All right. It it, it is amazing, Doctor Brown. Thank you for that. Um, our topic today is and we're only 24 be... minutes in, so I mean that's pretty good. Hey, that bonus is for Mike Niels and a shout out to the boys on their commute, uh, on their way home from the door factory. They, they can go ahead and turn off the podcast now. Absolutely, guys. Here comes the boring stuff, right? The stuff that actually gets into church planning and the stuff that talks about Jesus. Mm, go for it. All right. So today's topic is actually going to be about Jesus. And the reason why is because... Our topic is when it stops being about Jesus. And that that can happen so easily that, uh, I mean, life can stop being about Jesus. That's part of being a sinner, right? Like that's exactly what sin is. We make life about anything other than Jesus. And that's why we're called in the Bible idolaters. That's what an idolater is. He's someone who... Uh, does not establish in his heart or set apart in his heart Christ Jesus as Lord. And uh, so, you know, in, in, in the faith back in the day, uh, Paul says that if you, if you confess that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, that means he's master, he's everything, then you shall be saved. And so, um, unfortunately, it, it can happen in ministry where we're doing the church plant and the church plant becomes the thing that we focus on, the important thing, rather than Jesus. And when that happens, um, not only is your church plant devoid of spiritual power, but you also uh, get into a place where um, you're, you're in a dangerous place as a, as a Christian, as a human being, and as a minister. And by dangerous, I don't mean you're going to lose your salvation. I just mean that you're actually in an unhealthy place to be leading people. Mm. So, um, so, you know, let me, let me start off by telling a story, um, of something that happened to me recently. I was, uh, going to Colorado, was speaking at the Multiply Conference, which is a great conference. A guy named Alan Briggs, if you read Church Planner Magazine, um, Alan throws this thing. It's I was a, a little really bit cool disappointed thing. that he didn't ask me to come speak, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I when he um, first invited me, he said, "Hey, would you and Pete be willing to come?" And I said, "No, <laughs> just said, me. I don't, <laughs> I don't travel with Pete." <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, so that's the new rule that's on my rider: um, blue M and M's, and I do not travel with Pete. And uh, so, oh, and they have to towel me off. They have to towel me off when I'm done speaking. There's someone nice. standing off on the side with a towel and a jar of blue M&Ms, and it has to be a jar, not a bowl. And uh, and then there is an assurance. Normally, we've got a live cam on Pete showing that he's in another state. As long as those three uh, qualifications are met, I'm good. 
Dig it. So anyways, I'm over in Colorado and uh, I'm speaking and I fly in on Friday midday, go do my talk. No problem. I'm sick as a dog. And I'm like slamming medication. First off, I have to say, I haven't mentioned this yet. I met Stan Stinkin' Lee mm. in, the, uh, in the airport. I know this in our screw around time, but that was pretty cool. I have to say, meeting Stan Lee was uh, kind of like a, a, a weird experience, man. I was actually shaking after I met him. <laughs> <I kid> you <laughs> it would be like meeting George Lucas. You're just kind of in awe. Like, you know, here's this dude from like my childhood, right? Like incredible Hulk. I mean, dude, I had underoos that came out of this guy's brainchild. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Stan you, Lee. You realize like, that George Lucas is actually Wolverine. Have you seen their hair? Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's awesome, dude. He does have weird little scars around his uh, knuckles on his hands. I'm I have no saying. Just I'm just throwing it out there. You can find that stuff on the same uh, website as where you get all that reptilian stuff. But, uh, you know, so I meet him. That was kind of cool. Anyways, I fly in. And so I'm jacked up from cold medicine and meeting Stanley. And I touch down. Um, really cool guy named Vinny picks me up. He's a church planning intern there, Colorado Springs. And uh, and I go do my talk. And then I am just shattered, man, because I've been up since 4 a.m. So I tell him, I got to go back and sleep in my hotel. and then. Um, I'll, I'll come back like, you know, in the night session because there was a guy named uh, Leonard Sweet that was going to be speaking in the night. So I go and I had like the morning session. So I go and I, I you know, I go home. I, I try to sleep. I'm in, in and out, you know, dreaming. I'm dreaming Pete's there. It's kind of, you know, it's jacking me up even more. You <laughs> don't know? dream oh, about Pete. Away. I'm just saying don't dream about Pete. They weren't good dreams about Pete. They were bad dreams about Pete. Of and uh, so anyways, so. Uh, I, I try to go to sleep that night and I'm shattered, dude. I'm so tired. I, I go to sleep and I wake up in, um, and the conference was really good. This, it wasn't the conference. Alan Briggs is a stud, man. The work he's doing is killer, but we'll have him on the podcast for a long, but I dude, I wake up at like three and I don't know if it's cause I'm on medicine or if it's because, um, I don't know what it is, man, but it th maybe it's because I took a nap, but at 3 a.m. I wake up and I cannot get back to bed. And the weird thing is, is like, I've got to speak in the morning. So I'm like, okay, I'm sick. My sleep pattern's all messed up. I'm, I'm, I'm sleep deprived. And I start going through this weird little crisis. Um, and, and let me just kind of, you know, say that I had met some, some book guys, some of the publishers, and um, I was talking with them about like the projects that I have in the works right now. And one, you know, they were saying different stuff. One guy saying, oh, you know what you ought to do is change your book to a narrative. Or another guy's like, yeah, yeah, we liked it, but, you know, it's a little too charismatic for us. And so I'm a little bit in a tailspin about, you know, what, how am I going to, how am I going to be faithful to what God's put on my heart? And at the same time, like, I'm not worried about getting it signed. But there was this whole dilemma about, you know, changing it to make it appeal and all. So that starts jacking me up. And then I've got to go on and speak like in the morning and I'm up at three and I just start praying. And I just felt like the Lord just started to like dismantle me like Lego bricks. And, and, and part of it is that conferences are weird, man. Like you're you're flown out to speak. And it's kind of like you're, I know it sounds like kind of really stupid to say it like this, but it's almost kind of like people are paying you money to go and say like brilliant things that inspire people and motivate people. And there's this weird pressure that comes on. Like, like, uh, for me, speaking's not, speaking isn't the big deal. Like I can, I can speak. I've been preaching for 20 something years and that's, that's not the hard part. The weird thing for me is this mental shift, like, I got away from all this like mega church Christian celebrity. Like when I was younger, I started heading down that road and then God took me to the mission field. Um, I was a young pastor, you know, I was getting flown around. I was speaking at churches. And so now I'm, this is entering back into my head and I've spoken at a few conferences this year and I'm still, I'm small potatoes, man. I'm not anything big, but it was just the whole thing was jacking me up. And I, I, I felt like the Lord started exposing my heart. Like, 
you know, uh, am, am I, am I enough for you right now? And mm-hmm. I, I can't really explain it, but like in those hours between three and like 8 a.m., man, Lord has just taken me apart like Legos and just examining all the pieces and setting them in a pile and going, this Lego brick's no good. That's got to go. And then put me back together. And I had to honestly answer the question, are you enough for me? As no, you, you're not enough for me right now. And I haven't had my uh, eyes on you um, for a long time. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, in a way, I'm kind of, it's not like I've been walking around not loving Jesus or I've been walking around, but I felt like I had come to this crisis point. And, 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 and understand, it's not like there's sin in my life. It's not, I just felt like God was personally reviving me. And it was weird that I'd be at this conference where, you know, some people are like, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm flying around. I'm, I'm the big man on stage. You know, I'm, I'm this and that. Um, people tweeting my brilliant quotes. It, it jacked me up, man. That's all I can say is that stuff jacks me up. It's not good for me. And it's not because I'm turned on by the whole thing. It's literally because I know that's not where it's at. And so when I get into those dynamics, it starts, it, it's like the Lord searches my heart, if I can put it that way. Hmm. And, uh, and, and so all the, all the way, like I went, I go, I go to Alan before the conference and I go, Hey man, you know, I, I know you guys got me on this topic and I know that, um, you know, you, uh, you want me to speak about this. And, um, I told him, I'm just not feeling it, man. I I've, I've had a sleepless night. I'm a little bit jacked up. I told him, I, I, I don't want to go up on stage and try to impress everybody. That's not going to do anybody any good. Um, and so will you pray for me, man? Like, just pray for me because I don't, I'm not feeling what's in my notes, what I've prepped. I'm not feeling any of that. And I just, I I need to be faithful to God right now. And, um, so he prayed for me and I went up on stage and I just shared it. I was honest, right? You're not supposed to go up on stage and say to people, Hey man, I'm not feeling the topic guys. Sorry. And, uh, you know, pretty jacked up and boom, boom, boom. But I just, I'm just going to talk, you know, I'm going to pretty much just leave my notes aside here and I've got them and I'll loosely springboard, but boom, boom, boom. And I really didn't care. I have to honestly say, I really didn't care about anything other than just Jesus being in my heart, speaking to those people and boom, that was it. And, um, and, and, and for the effect of it, you know, I mean, people said it went awesome and, and people came up and, and talked to me. I was like, man, that was incredible. But I knew I'm like, that's not me because I was done. Like I'm in an end to myself and I'm disgusted by myself to be quite frank. You know, I'm sick of Peyton Jones and, uh, and, and the Lord, man, I don't know. It was, it was amazing because then I get on the plane as soon as I'm done speaking. Um, you know, I met with my, uh, my cousin is a guy named Jeff Schwartz and Traub. He lives out in uh, Castle Rock, uh, Colorado. Uh, he's a church planner for, um, uh, is it George McDonald? No, that's, that's C.S. Lewis guy. Um, shoot, what's his name? Guy that wrote Vertical Church. Um, is it Gordon McDonald? You know Am you're I not asking me who wrote a book, right? A- absolutely. Absolutely. Is it on audio? But, uh, is, it, is it audible? Yeah, 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 yeah. Vertical Church. I can't remember his name. Something McDonald. Um, he's with Gospel Coalition. Can't remember his name. Frank? But he, no. Joe? Not Frank. Nope. Jason? Bob. Bob. Peter? Huey. Huey. So, so anyways, so, you know, I, I end up uh, meeting with him. You know, he's, he's, he's a prophetic dude, so we talked a bit. And then uh, I hop on the plane, man, and I'm just praying. I'm just talking to the Lord. I'm just like, Lord, sort me out. Like, re- and, and like I said, like, it's not, I would have thought I was normal before I went there. And this is just like a sign to me that God is really reviving a piece of my soul because I I would have just, I wouldn't have, it's not like I had glaring issues um, in my life other than the fact that I just can't say that I was passionately in love with Jesus. And the next morning I go to church and dude, I'm telling you, the the worship, it was like, it was like my wife used to call it a soul scrubbing. 
that I got from Jesus. Um, she used to have days where she'd fast and pray for a day, and she'd be like, oh, I had a soul scrubbing from the Lord today. And it was just God met with me, dude. I don't know how else to put it, but it was like Paul's road to, to Damascus, man. I just, I realized I've been blind. It was like scales fell off my eyes, and I could see Jesus. And I just stood in church uh, on Sunday morning, dude, and I just wept at the beauty of who Jesus was. And I can just, I can just say in the, in the last week, man, it's only, it's not even been a full week yet. Um, just it's, it's Jesus. And I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I started telling the Lord, I don't want to pray all the way back on the flight. I was telling the Lord, I don't want to pray about ministry right now. I don't want to pray as a minister. I don't want to pray as a church planner. I don't want to pray as a speaker for a long time. I just want to pray as a man who is saved by Jesus. And that's it. And am I making sense, man, at all? Yeah, you are. And, you know, interestingly enough, I had a, a, a Facebook message earlier in the week from a gal who uh, I think we were at college at the same time, or she might have been like a resident director or something. But I mean, we're somehow connected through Biola. And um, she uh, Facebooked me and she said, Hey, um, this might be a funny message to send to you, but I think you put a, a article on Facebook a while back about a friend of yours who had died and it was his uh, experience. You know? And I, I'm like, well, you know, I've got a bunch of friends who have died, but you know, let's think here. Um, I think it's probably Peyton. <laughs> and so um, I went back and I found that article you wrote for uh, Christianity today on your uh, near death experience. And, um, so I sent that over to her and I go, I think this might've been it. And so I, it caused me to reread it. And I, I remember rereading it and, and looking at one of the things that you said in the article and, and that being um, a conversation you had with your wife and you're like, you know what, hon, all this stuff is, is crap. All the condemnation is crap. Everything was paid for on the cross. And, um, I mean, so much of that we we easily forget, right? We forget how much he really did for us and that it was done, right? I mean, yeah. done, done. And and that's so hard for us to, to get our mind around and to really grasp that and to understand that. And that demands a, a kind of uh, more than just respect, but an intimacy. Like when you really grab hold of that concept of, I mean, I literally, you know, I am clean before God, not by anything I've done, but in spite of everything I've done. Um, I think, uh, I, I wish I could remember the entire quote, but we had uh, Charlie come back and speak at, at Refuge Long Beach this last Sunday. And um, and he was quoting somebody, you'll probably even know the quote, but the the gist i can give the gist of the quote the gist of the quote was something along the lines of you know we are simultaneously fully and completely redeemed and and you know before god and a sinner at the same time and that's just really hard for us to get our minds around because we see you know all of our imperfections and all of our screw ups and all of that stuff but at the same time we are wholly and completely you know redeemed by by the blood of Jesus. So, I mean, I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, and these things like 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 the cross whenever when I, there's a couple things that always happen. Like like one the cross becomes precious to you. Like I you know, I'm I'm sitting there on Sunday and just what you're talking about that, you know, gosh, man, like I felt so privileged to be in God's presence. Like felt exactly that like god you made a way for me like when we stop feeling those things when we stop really appreciating what christ did for us that's a bad sign man it's a sign that we're spiritually sick mm. and you know like pete you and i like we're real man and and like we like to screw around and we like to to goof off and i think more than anything i the, the best description i've ever heard of 
a, a, a Christian <laughs> I respect was, um, I remember Chuck Swindoll was introducing Reformation Sunday, funny enough, um, years ago now, man, I can't remember how you're, you know, this weekend, um, I was at Chuck Swindoll's church and R.C. Sproul was guest speaking and I went along to hear him and um, Chuck Swindoll, first he told a funny story about R.C. Sproul at golf and what a bad loser he was. And then, uh, and then he, he was a bad loser, bad winner. I can't remember, but then he said, I want to introduce to you a man who doesn't take himself very seriously, but who takes God very seriously. And I think that's kind of the balance on the podcast that we've been able to, to kind of strike. And, and, and that's where I think Paul, you know, like we're, He's just constantly overwhelmed that we have this treasure in jars of clay. But when the treasure stops being valuable and the focus gets on the jar of clay and the jar of clay starts seeming more valuable, that's, that's to me where I see a lot of times um, my life. And it, at times I can, I can get really, really focused on who, how cool church planning is and how studly, because to me, church planners are my heroes. But you know, even at times I can look at Paul and I can think Paul is like the greatest study of the universe, but really it's Jesus, man. And so when I get back to that place, like all this week, just this admiration for Jesus, just, you know, this hunger for the gospels, like I, that's how I know like a spiritual work is being done in my soul is when I'm just in awe of him. And, you know, I, I, I feel like, gosh, Jesus, I barely know you. You know, it's like where Paul in Philippians says, I want to know him, you know, and you're like, well, Paul, what do you mean, man? Like, you know, Jesus, and he's like, no, I want to know him. And the word he uses in the Greek means to the fullest extent, I want to know him. Like, like it means, it means to know something thoroughly. And he's using that of Christ. I want to know every bit of him. And, uh, you know, and he says, not that I've attained, but one thing I do, I press on. So he's pressing on into Jesus. And I think that's got to be the secret of everything we do in ministry. So, for example, if I look at church planning, if I really strip down, what is church planning? So much of our focus gets on making that dang logo, right? And renting the right building. And when you hear church planners, don't knock you can, the logo, bro. Don't hey, knock the logo is really important, man. We know that. But but here's the that's a personal joke with Pete and I inside joke. But here's the deal: it, 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 you hear church planners like they're running around after buildings and logos and you know brand building and all that stuff, and that's not what it's about. One of the one of the things that that I I guess in a way kind of has always been something that that I've constantly shouted is that. It's about God's presence. It's about bringing Christ into a community, not your church, not the church you're going to plant. The church you're going to plant doesn't mean squat without Jesus. And I think all of us need that moment, kind of like what I had this weekend with the conference, um, where we've got to ask that question, like, like Moses, you know, where God says, hey, I'll, I'll give you success, Moses. I'll take you into the promised land. You know, go, go. You know, go, you can have the land. And Moses just plants his feet and goes, God, I'm not going without you. I'm not, I'm not going to move one inch from here unless you go with us. That's what I want, God. I want you, Lord, show me your glory. And that's where, you know, God basically rips Moses a new soul and shows him who he is. And, you know, just the afterburn of God's glory just radically changes Moses forever. And that's, that's what we're talking about. The world has no hope out there if all we're giving them is a church, if all that we're offering to them is a sexier service or, you know, speedier tunes or funnier homilies. The world, the world doesn't need that. The world doesn't need your church plant. What the world needs is a man or woman that is completely sold out for Jesus who says, you know what? Um, in everything I do, in every bit of my life's blood, I will squeeze out the last drop that people might know Jesus. And that's it, man. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I get it. And um, I think one of the things that that continues to uh, to hit me 
Uh, and I was thinking about it again after uh, Charlie's sermon on Sunday. It, it just the the fact that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Like when you and I've mentioned this before on the podcast. When you really think about that, like we we are at a time and place after Christ has died, um, and we see other Christians who are good people who follow Christ. And so we can almost kind of look at it and go, yeah, well, of course, you know, Christ died for us. Of course he loves us. I mean, there's a lot of people who are doing good stuff. I mean, look at, you know, what they're doing. I mean, it's really good. It's really cool. Of course. But, but when you think about it, it's like, well, no, wait a second. Before Christ died. I mean, while we were yet sinners, like the entire world, why in the world would God care so much about us? Like, I don't get it. Like, I, if I were God, I would have done, you know, the the flood thing again, <laughs> just wiped us all out. You know, it's like, I don't get it. I don't get that kind of love. I don't get that. That yeah. um, I, I just don't get it because. There, there was not, there was nothing redeeming about us. I mean, it wasn't like we were so great. It wasn't like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go and redeem them. They're pretty cool, you know. That they'd be nice to have on board. But it was like while we were yet sinners, you know, Christ died for us. I mean, it's just one of those things. I don't even know if I'm explaining it. Just you are no, the, man, the power behind it when you really like dig at that. You know, there's yeah. nothing redeeming about us. It all had to be Him, not us. Yeah. We couldn't do anything to get us there, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a litmus test. It's a litmus test that if Jesus is not, if he's not firing you right now, if he's not firing you up, um, it's kind of like we're, you know, when the people are shouting out like, um, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now, you know, and they're whipped into this kind of frenzy on Palm Sunday, and where Jesus just, you know, the Pharisees are like, hey, knock it off. You know, you're corrupting children. They're crying out. And, you know, this isn't right, man. You know, the Pharisees were, you know, Scripture tells us they were scared about like an uprising. So they're worried about, the, you know, Rome coming down and clamping down. And But they also felt that Jesus was corrupting the youth. And so, mm. you know, they're trying to like clamp down on it and... Um, Jesus goes, look, if they didn't cry out, he was basically saying, I will, ha- this is my day. I will have my glory today. This is my triumphant entry. I have come to save my people. And he said, if, if the, if they were quiet, I'm telling you the truth, the stones would cry out today. This is the day I, I'm going to be humiliated in a few days, but I will be glorified today. I, like that's so boss, you know, like he was going to have his glory that day. And, and, and just, you know, for, for us, it's amazing to me that, that Jesus will stand by and be humiliated in our eyes so much and, you know, will allow us not to glorify him, allow us to be silent. But I, I guess what I'm saying is um, there comes a time where God just breaks in and breaks through. And I need that because I am an idolater by nature. And we're all idolaters by nature. Our people need that. Our people need us to constantly be going back to the foot of the cross. They need us to be gazing up. They need us to be broken heaps at his feet from time to time. Where we're just wrecked. And we're just going, Lord, I, you know, like that old hymn, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. Like the world needs that, man. They absolutely need for, for leaders to lead in brokenness for leaders to, to just, you know, constantly be having encounters with Jesus. And all I can say is guys, I'm a knucklehead. I can't claim anything off this weekend experience, except that, um, I, I guess the way I was headed, it wasn't like, um, it's funny cause I was, I was, uh, talking back and forth with Frank Viola a little bit about it. And I just, I said something, he, he put this really profound thing on, on Facebook about this, um, something very similar. And I made a comment. Um, it wasn't about conferences, but I made a comment. And he, he messaged me and said, what did you mean when you said, because I said I was about ready to just chuck this whole like conference book thing. Like I'm just disgusted. And, uh, and, and not because of anyone else, because of my heart. Not, it's not like I'm looking out, I'm disgusted by you, you know, Christian celebrities. But Frank 
Frank was like, what do you mean? And I shared with him and he goes, man, he goes, a, a lot of people don't even notice those dynamics. And he goes, you know, man, boom, boom, boom. And he said some really cool things and um, really helpful things. You know, I was like, man, I, I could use talking to Frank more from time to time, you know, and, uh, and he had a lot of wisdom on it. And, um, and he limits himself. Like, I think he only speaks three times a year um, that he goes around. I, I don't know what his reasoning is, but I get a sense from Frank that, that he and I are wired a little bit similarly because he likes the small stuff. I'm the small guy, you know, I'm the startup guy. That's what I like. I don't, I don't like being under the spotlights too much. And, um, so it, it just, I don't know, man, I guess the way I was headed was not a good way. And the Lord just graciously just put himself in front of me like Balaam's donkey, man. There was an angel on the road. Except I was the donkey and, uh, you know, just, just pushing the donkey forward. And God was like, no, I love you too much, man. And, you know, I'll never forget the first day I went into ministry. Um, I was super excited that I got to, um, to do ministry. And it was kind of like when the disciples, you know, they're like, Lord, you know, demons listen to us. And they were more, uh, oh, and people, we saw miracles and they were really jacked up about, you know, what the Holy Spirit had done through them. And Jesus goes, don't rejoice in that. He goes, rejoice, your names are written in the book of life. And they're like, oh, I mean, it was kind of a, a buzzkill, right? Like, oh, yeah, we're saved just like everyone else, I guess, you know. I mean, everyone else isn't doing miracles or casting out demons. We we kind of thought that was a neat thing. And Jesus is like, nope, nope, you should just be rejoicing your names. And I, that's what I'm feeling right now. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to communicate. Is yeah, I get that. And, saved. and you know, see, I, I totally, I, I can totally resonate with that because I think the thing that, that scares me the most. And the, one of the reasons why I don't want to go into ministry. I mean, you and I've had this conversation. I don't consider what I do ministry. <laughs> I mean, I'm a co-host. I'm half the nutballs on the Church Planner podcast, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like whatever. Um, because I look at it, and and it doesn't excite me. Like I wouldn't get all excited. Oh, look, I'm a deacon. Oh, look, I'm an elder. Oh, look, I'm a pastor. Honestly, that would freak me out because I'd be yeah. sitting there going, "Oh, great, I'm responsible now." <laughs> you know, it's kind of like. Um, you put a line on, I think it was on Facebook, I think is where I, I read it, but uh, you were talking about some of the different pastors that we've run into who uh, don't like church planners, and they're like, oh, this is my area. What are you doing coming over here and planting a church? And you said on Facebook is where I saw it. I, I believe it was on Facebook, You know, something along the lines of, you know, saying this is my area is like saying to God, you can go ahead and hold me responsible for every soul in this area. I'll go ahead and take yeah. that responsibility. And when you look at it like that, that's insane. Why would I ever tell God, you know what, God, I can handle this. You know, this area of Long Beach over here, this is ours. We'll, we'll go ahead and take responsibility for every soul in this area. That's insane. So when I look at being a pastor and the, the reason why all that stuff scares me, it would not excite me. I would not be like you going, oh, cool. You know, I'm on staff at this mega church over here. I'd be like, great. Now I'm even more responsible. <laughs> that, <laughs> Honestly, that freaks me out. Something gets out of balance, though, when you plan a church. It, it's just, and in ministry in general, let's say you're like this church of 100 and it blows up to like 2,000 and then it gets up to 5,000. The, it's like Whitfield said. Whitfield said that it wasn't the criticism of other preachers that, that, that almost ruined him. He said it was success. It was the praise of men that almost destroyed him. He was a young man. He was like 21, 22 years old. And it just, it was a lot for him. And he said that the only thing that caused him to survive was he would, he would have like these anxiety attacks that would drive him to prayer and just humble him and just lay him low. And I know right now a lot of church planners are hearing that going, oh, thank you, because I'm going through that now. You know, I know guys that spin before they preach, uh, you know, minutes and minutes on the toilet, maybe hours on the toilet, just, you know, having a McFlurry on the Thunder Bucket because they're just, they're falling to bits. 
But that, even that is, is a good thing because it's God just humbling you and bringing you to a place where you're just, you can't be the big bamboo. And I think when we get to a place where we see all this success and we really, you know, we get into it and we're, 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 we're believing, you know, the press and, you know, our own press and it, 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 it gets weird. You know, it's like Gideon, man, where at the beginning is this bail slayer. He's like doing awesome stuff. And then at the end, and it's really God because he's freaking out. He's scared out of his head. But towards the end, um, you know, he sets up the, he takes the ephod that he wore into battle and he, he, you know, lets his people worship it as like, hey, you know, you want to be like me? Worship this ephod, and, you know, that I wore into my victories. And, you know, and boom, they're right back into idolatry and Gideon standing by approving of it. Yeah, and, but you know, when you look at that story, though, and you look at, at the very beginning, when they're going into battle, the battle cry was for the Lord and for Gideon. Yeah. And it started at the beginning with Gideon. Yeah. Yeah, it's for God and for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, well, it, no, it's either for the, God or for God. I mean, that's that, really... That's a brilliant point. And that's that's a really brilliant point, Pete, because I think there's always that element for us, right? Like, how much of this is for me? It's so funny you bring that up because... This weekend, I had to confess to Jesus. I'm like, and and guys, if you've listened to the podcast, please understand, I'm not saying this in totality, like this has all been for me. Um, you know, and you're like, man, I feel ripped off. He's just been, but I'm just being honest. Like in that moment of clarity, I had to say to Jesus, a lot of what I'm doing right now, I'm doing for me. Mm. And 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 it rocked me. And I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I got to be that honest, man. But that, it was good. To finally say that to the Lord and just be like, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Like I, if I'm honest and, and, and that's where for me, I'm like, I quit then because I didn't even see it. Like I didn't even realize. And I think a lot of times we go through our lives, not realizing, you know, how little stuff is for the Lord. And so that, that's kind of, that's why I'm coming on here right now, because I'm hoping that some of you guys listening, that it'll be like that you too. And I, I was starting to say that when I first went into the ministry, I'll never forget my mentor, um, guy named Dan, uh, Dan Berg, he had been my youth pastor and I was just taking his place for a time. And, um, I was really excited because they want to put me on staff first. They're going to put me on staff. Um, you know, with, with the, uh, uh, the high school group, um, just part-time few hours a week. And then they put me on full-time and I'll never forget talking to him. And I was super excited, like the disciples, excited about the wrong things. And I'm like, man, they're putting me on staff, Dan, you know, and I was kind of excited. And he just looked at me and he goes, remember, in the work of the Lord, don't forget the Lord of the work. Mm. And I was just, that that just stuck. Over the years, I think that's always been kind of like the uh, the safety line that I think about that all the time. And you know, so again, I'm not saying that I was like super spun out, like, you know, just this, I'm, I, I don't know how to describe it, man. I'm just, it feels like at times the eyes of your understanding, like Paul says in Ephesians 1, are open and you just see everything. You see it so clearly and like God hits a reset button in your heart. And guys, for your church plant, if the church plant is the big deal, if your logo, if your brand, if your church name has towered over the name of Jesus, then let it be like Dagon, man, in the temple. Remember when they brought the uh, the idol of Dagon into the temple of the Lord? And uh, wasn't it the know, Ark of the Covenant they took into the temple? Sorry. Of Dagon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry. It was it was the Ark of the Covenant they brought in the temple of Dagon. I mean, <laughs> you know, not to correct my pastor or anything, but no, no, no. I realized as I said it, <laughs> that's wrong. Um, but yeah, so they bring the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of Dagon, and Dagon keeps falling over and bowing like. They come in the morning and boom, the idol is just there bowing down in front of the Ark of the Covenant with its arms broken off. And, you know, let let your church do that because the church itself can become an idol. And you start thinking the world needs your church plant and it doesn't. It needs Jesus. And the church plant ought to just be a vehicle. In fact, the church plant ought to be kind of almost like an invisible entity 
that doesn't get in the way between people and Jesus. Kind of like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the facilitator. He's kind of invisible. He doesn't uh, eclipse Jesus. He, he, you can see right through him to Jesus. And that's how you ought to be. And that's how your church ought to be. Well, I dig it. And now we're at the end of our time. We are. Perfect. So, hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. And this has been the Church Planter Podcast, reminding you that if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planter Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.